you always want to better your work. And so if you don't kind of feel that sometimes, you know, like if every day you were like, masterpiece, 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 masterpiece. Like, <laughs> Something's I don't know if wrong. you're an artist because like you're never going to better it, you know? like. Welcome to the Tending Creativity Podcast, a podcast about creativity, art, and life that centers the perspectives and experiences of marginalized genders. I'm your host, Marissa, and today's episode is an interview. I got to interview Fabiola Lara. Fabiola is an illustrator, YouTuber, and podcaster. She has created work for the Los Angeles Times, the Golden Globes, Instagram, and more. She has a podcast called Draws in Spanish, where she interviews notable Latinx visual artists. I'm so happy I got to talk to Fabiola about her journey to being an illustrator. Her work is amazing. I love the textures and color palettes she uses. And her podcast is also amazing as well. As a Latinx artist myself, it's amazing to have a show like hers that provides representation and inspiration because I didn't really see anything like that growing up. In this interview, we talked about her experience initially going to school and majoring in the medical field to switching to advertising and then working in a corporate media role after graduating and then eventually to journeying out on her own as a creative and what her experience with that has been like. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and I'll just get into it now. Hi, Fabiola. So would you just introduce yourself, who you are and what you do? Yes. So hi, my name's Fabiola Lara. Fabiola Lara. I don't know. Sometimes I say it in English, sometimes I say it in Spanish. Um, I'm an illustrator and a content creator. Sometimes I'm a designer when I need to be but definitely more so like in the illustration space. And I'm a podcaster. I'm a YouTuber. So I put that all under content creation, which some people hate that word, but I don't mind it. And um, yeah, for for I draw for a living and I make content about drawing for a living. And I have my podcast that's also about drawing. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Thank you. Okay. So I want to start kind of like from the beginning um, before you were even an adult, um, your childhood, I wanted to know, was this something that you ever thought of as a child? How was, what was your relationship with art and creativity like growing up? Yeah. So I feel like, uh, being an artist as a kid was like a dream for me. I always wanted to do that, but it was not like a serious dream. Like if somebody asked me what I wanted to do, I would say like something else, you know, like doctor or like, was it marine biologist? Like, I feel like every little girl is like marine biologist. Yeah, veterinarian. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Veterinarian, um, especially in Miami. I feel like marine biologist was like such a hot, cool thing. Um, and so, but I was always really creative. I was always drawing. Like my favorite gifts were like those sets of like markers and crayons that have like everything and every color, but they're like kind of horrible quality. Like that's what was my favorite. Um like, I feel like my mom from some job would bring home, like, I don't know if you remember like fax machines where they have like these, it's like paper rolls that have those little strips on the sides and it's a like, huge paper rolls. And so they never end. And she would bring me home like some of that and it would just be able to like draw vertically, horizontally for like hours. Um, so that was like my idea of fun as a kid. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool um that's actually really interesting because like sometimes when I interview people or like when I listen to other podcasts and stuff they like you already as a kid were like really into that stuff but for some people like I feel like for me um I mean yeah you know like I enjoyed like doing fun stuff but it wasn't like and maybe I did like kind of have like that dream but it wasn't as much in the forefront of like my mind as it was for you so that's really awesome that you're able to that you are like living out that dream now yeah I mean it, that's like a really cool part for like my inner child or whatever if mm -hmm. if you believe not if you believe in that <laughs> like is that it's not a religion but like you know if you subscribe to that school mm -hmm. of thought um but uh it's not like something that I ever it's not like my parents were like go be an artist. Yeah. They were like, this is a great drawing, do good in school and go to college. You know? So it wasn't like they, anyone was telling me that I could be an artist. And I think that's why it took me a long time to kind of get to where I am now. Um, but it wasn't discouraged. It was just like, 
this, these are the professions, you know, like doctor, marine biologist, veterinarian, like those are careers and artist is like hobby and you yeah. can do both. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so then what about, you know, as you were getting older, like in high school, um, you know, a lot of people is when we start, we start being told like, you know, think about what you're going to do, like seriously. I mean, even though we are like ingrained from a very young age to be thinking about what we're going to do as adults, at least in my experience, um, in high school is where it really gets like intense. And, you know, if you're going to apply to colleges, they start telling you to apply to college. What are you going to major in? What's your plan after you graduate? What's your five-year plan and stuff like that. So when you were like at that age, um, were you still, were you considering like pursuing an artistic career at that point? Um, your transition from like a uh, secondary school, high school into, if you even went to college, I don't know if you did, um, what was that time of your life like and how did you think about your career? Yeah. Okay. So in high school, I had like a really chaotic family life in high school. It was just total chaos. Um, I'm not going to get into it because it's like something I don't like to relive, but I will talk about my high school experience. I moved a lot. So I went to I think four middle schools and three high schools. So when I was in high school, um, I was really, really excited to go to college because I saw it as a way to kind of have some independence and like, I can decide where I'm going to go and I can just stay there or not or whatever. Um, like I love change because I had such a like chaotic upbringing. I also like thrive and like just taking the leap and changing stuff up. But, um, it was really, really like for me in high school, I was like, I can't wait to go to college, get out of my house, move away <laughs> and go to college. Yeah. So to me, that was like a really huge goal. Like the minute I entered high school, essentially. And, or like, I'm going to say sophomore year, right? Freshman year, like didn't exist. <laughs> sophomore year, I was like, oh man, okay. I see the like light at the end of the tunnel here. And so I was super, super focused, but I did not pursue anything creative. It's not that I wasn't like doing creative things. I just didn't see it as like an academic part, like a a part of my academics. So Mm -hmm. like I took art classes all through high school, like totally random ones like ceramics. Um, And I don't think I accomplished much in any of my high school, like art classes. Um, But I was really focused on my academics. So like getting like really, really good grades, doing every single thing I could possibly do. And so when I went to college, I actually went to college for microbiology because I loved science. Like I absolutely loved, love, love science. And I still do. It's not my profession, but I love science. Um, I believe in science, contrary to some people. (laughs) And so, you know, I was really passionate about that. And then once I got to school, I was on the pre-med track because I was, to be honest, I'm just good at school. I think like, I don't know about now, right? Like probably I have a really bad attention span now and it wouldn't be the same, but like I was really good at school. And so like, if you put me on a path, like I was going to crush it because like I know how to study and that was fine. That's like all you need to do while I'm minimizing it by a lot. But like (laughs) in my, for me, it was just like, okay, just like study for hours. It was not that it was easy. Like I still had to study for like hours, but like I could, I knew that I had it in me. Mm -hmm. And so I was pre-med and I was doing great. That was like my highest GPA. It was like a 3.89 or something like that. Um, That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. And so um, (laughs) then I realized when I was in college, this is kind of long-winded, but I was going for pre-med and I loved it, but I really was craving like art classes and I wasn't taking Mm -hmm. anything, but you couldn't, um, I went to the university of Florida. You couldn't just take an art class. Like Mm -hmm. in order to take an art class, you have to be an art major which Mm -hmm. I was not, but being like a kind of like an overly ambitious person or just a person who like, I feel like I've always kind of done what I wanted to do like Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly within my control. Like I I just do it. And so (laughs) I went to the counselor. I went to my college advisor and I was like, I saw here on this like random thing that you could apply to be a pre an uh, medical illustration major. Oh, wow. And I was in my second year of pre-med. So I was like, can you just say that I'm pre-med medical illustration? Like, what happens if we do that? Can I sign up for the art classes? And she was like, yeah, you could. And I was like, okay, perfect. Like, 
change you found, it. <laughs> like, you, I change found my it. loophole. Yeah. I found my loophole. But she was like, okay, yeah. But to do that, you actually have to get an advisor. That's like a custom degree. So you have mm. to get an art advisor to sign off on this art degree. And you have to get someone in the field of medical illustration to sign off to be your advisor for this degree. And I was like, no problem. I wrote some like random emails to some random people I found on the college website. I met up with them. This was like a span of a week. I like mm-hmm. met up with all of them. <laughs> I saw like a bunch of cadavers and corpses. Oh, the medical illustrator worked at the hospital and he was just like showing me cadavers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, perfect. This is great. No problem. Will you be my advisor? He said, yes. I changed my major and I got into some art classes. <laughs> wow. So... <laughs> Sorry, you going to say something? No, no, you no that was super long winded. But and so I got into my art classes and then that kind of changed my entire career at university. Yeah, that's incredible. So when you did that, the way that you were telling the story makes me think like, you know, you just wanted to take art classes, not necessarily with the actual, maybe I didn't understand, but not with the actual intention that that's like your career goal, but just because this is how I'd be able to do these these things that I'm interested in doing while I'm still like on my medical path. So would you say that that that's accurate? Yes, that was exactly my intention. And then because I did this in a week, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I'm exaggerating because it's been <laughs> some years now, but let's say it was like two weeks. Yeah, I swear it was very fast. What I then did once I had the classes was I, I was really interested in medical illustration because actually in high school, I would sometimes draw like medical illustrations, just like copying images of like eyeballs. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was cool looking. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, maybe this is something that I do. Right. And then I emailed some people who to be a medical illustrator, you have to actually go to medical school. So I was like, okay, I mean, I'm open to it. I was going to do medical school anyway. And then I talked to some people who did for medical illustration, there's only like a couple at the time, there was only four schools in the nation that did this. And they were highly specialized schools, really hard to get in because you're basically getting into art school and medical school at the same time. And I wrote some people who who got the degrees. I like emailed them and they, a lot of them told me like, oh, this was amazing, but like, I can't really use this degree because like no one keeps someone on full time. Like mm. you just hire a medical illustrator when you need As- if, if you're like a lawyer and you need one, or if you're a school and you need it for a textbook, or if you're not a school publisher, you know, you just hire them on case by case basis. And they were like saying that they usually don't use their uh, graduate degree, their, you know, medical illustrator degree. They just use their bachelor's. So some of them were like, oh, I'm an engineer and I actually just use my engineering degree. I don't use that. So that kind of discouraged me from pursuing the field. It felt like it was too niche at the time. And so I kind of went into it thinking, I'm just going to be like pre-med and keep microbiology, but I'll like leave this title up until the end and just switch it back Mm -hmm. later because like I was still taking all the right classes for my actual degree. Yeah. But while I was studying, I decided I didn't want to do that. But so what did you end up getting your degree in? Yeah. So after I did a bunch of art classes while I was doing my microbiology, degree, right? So I was taking like half my semester. I remember taking calculus two, organic chemistry. Um, and then it was like studio art, uh, still life, and then like portrait or something like that. And, or like color theory. And it was like really hard to balance those two things because a studio art classes are so time intensive. Yeah. Like they require, like, if I'm going to draw the still life of a chair, it's going to take weeks. And then studying for like a calculus two test also took weeks. (laughs) So I was like kind of going insane and I had like two groups of friends. Like I had like my medical school friends and I had art school friends and it was like totally different. And while I was going through this, I realized that like, maybe I didn't want to be a doctor. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine myself. I was taking lab classes, you know, like doing experiments for my classes and I hated it. Like I like being in the lab, but like, I just hated making instructions. I hated like experimenting. I just wanted the answers <laughs> and I just wasn't enjoying myself. I was like, I don't want to work as a researcher. Mm-hmm. I don't want to really work as a doctor because the reality is, is I don't really, this is going to sound bad, but don't take this out of context, people. I just don't really want to one-on-one be with sick people. Like as like a doctor, like every day as my job, yeah. it just felt like I am not that selfless. Like I didn't have that natural want to like 
care for Mm -hmm. treat and care for patients. Like that did not sound like something I wanted to do. And a lot of my friends who were in the program and were pre-med were like, I can't wait to help people. Like I want to help people through cancer. I want to help little kids. And I was just like, can I be in the lab at the hospital? Like I want to just like, I don't want to do that. And so that's when I realized like, okay, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a researcher. Then there's not that much options left in science to actually work with the degree. I don't want to be like a school teacher. And that's when I started looking at other options. I started to look at like jobs that I thought were cool. And so I was going online and I was like, what? So Instagram, I went to school 2010 to 2015, spring 2015. And I realized like, I love social media and I always have, right? And so I was looking at jobs and I, you know, I was on Instagram. I was just like looking at what's cool and everything that I thought was cool were like these media companies and like tech companies. And I was like, that's what I like. Like, that's what I think is interesting. And I was going to their careers like pages mm. and being like, oh, there's people who like work here. Like, <laughs> what do they, what do they like? Cause I had never met anyone who worked for like a tech company or anything like that. So I was yeah. like, what do these people have to work there? <laughs> like, what did they go to school for? Mm-hmm. And I realized that a lot of it was marketing, business, finance, uh, communications degrees. So I was like, okay, like maybe I'm onto something here. So I kept looking and eventually I changed my major at the last, the last year I changed it to, well, actually I'll confess, <laughs> I'll confess <laughs> something. I changed it to marketing and I flunked my finance class. Cause I was going, mm. I'm blaming it on a lot of personal traumas. I mean, and yes. Like it's, genuinely, there's no shame been, in, in that, you yeah, know, yeah. I should, I was going through a really abusive breakup. I was going through some crazy stuff with my family and I didn't know that I could get help. And so I just couldn't focus and I couldn't study that semester. And I flunked out of my finance class, which is like, not like me. Right. I like, I was like, I passed calculus too. Like how am I feeling? Not that one is harder than the other. They're different, but like, just like, I know I can do this. So I flunked. And because I flunked that class, I flunked out of that college, which was Mm. the business college. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to advertising and I got a marketing, a a degree in advertising instead of marketing. The advertising degree is from the communications college. Oh, so that's how I solved that issue. Um, So I graduated with advertising after all of that, but that was like literally two semesters before graduating. I just like switched it. Were a lot of the classes the same? So you didn't have to yes. do like that drastic of a change to your path? Like I said, I'm like pretty confident in making my moves. So when I went over there, I was like, look, I have all of these classes. Like surely I have whatever it takes to be an advertising major. And I just like looked at the classes. There was a couple math classes they wanted me to take in addition. To, and I was like, but wait, I already have all these other math classes like the thing they wanted to make to make me take like statistics. Mm. And I was like, I took calculus, like can you just like call it even. <laughs> yeah. And they did. And I just like made all these like um appeals mm-hmm. and they like approved them. <laughs> and then I just had to do my senior year at the uh, advertising with the advertising capstone classes. And it worked out. I think I graduated a semester late because one class, like they didn't offer it the semester I needed it. And so that's why I graduated a semester late, but like it really worked out for me because uh, I got an extra summer of like, oh, yeah. which was perfect for me because once I decided I was going to be an advertising major, like once I decided that I was figuring out, like I needed to figure out what to do, I did nine internships before I wow. graduated. That's really impressive. Um, I was, I was like, I, if I'm going to do business, like I know it's hard out there. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, that actually ties into what I wanted to talk about next because, you know, I was wondering, you know, what came after your graduation? What was your postgrad experience? When you were about to graduate, did you already have like a plan or an idea of what you were going to do? Yes. Yeah, so I had a plan, but the plan didn't work out classically. Um, like I said, in school, once I realized like, I think my junior and senior year, that's when I started to like be like, I want these internships. And even though I hadn't, because I decided, I think my junior year to do marketing, I flunked, I did advertising, um, but it's kind of similar, right? So mm-hmm. I, I had set my mind on doing, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to get a ton of internships. I'm behind all the other kids 
that have been doing this for four years was my mindset. Um, and because I am competitive, I guess, maybe a little bit, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm about to crush it. So I was in Gainesville, Florida. That's where the University of Florida is. There's not much there, right? It's not like I'm in New York City and there's like, I'm not in LA. There's not like a million internships in media and tech. So what I did do was find like the few places that were kind of cool to me and like just go and do that. So I started like... I did an internship at my school in the um, it was called the Rights Union Board of Entertainment. And it was like the the student union had like an entertainment group and they planned like all the concerts for the school. And so I joined it and I like put on like not concerts. I put on art like events. So I had like people and speakers and stuff like that. I just got involved in everything I could. And so I ended up actually getting an internship after making a bunch of connections I got an internship at MTV2 and then I got an internship the following summer at Tumblr. I'm like skipping through things. We'll be here forever. Um, So that's after a lot of internships locally, but then I did that. Um, And at Tumblr, I worked with the, um, what's it called? It's called um, creative strategy teams. And so um, I learned about it in advertising and I wanted as an advertising major, I like wanted to intern with them. And you basically learn how to sell content to brands. And working at Tumblr was like selling Tumblr content to to brands. And so I had a really successful internship with them. And they were like, okay, yeah, after you graduate, like we'll figure out something out to bring you here. So I was kind of betting on that and hoping for that because I loved my experience there. It really was at the time like 13th grade. It felt like summer camp. Um, and But that's also because it wasn't owned by anyone at the time. So Tumblr was Tumblr. It wasn't mm-hmm. owned by Yahoo. It wasn't owned by anyone. Mm-hmm. And um, when I graduated, they got acquired by Yahoo and everything changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so like they weren't really expanding that team anymore. And so I was kind of like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? I mean, I had a ton of experience, but it was still hard to like get these entry-level jobs. And I also was very picky in the sense that like, I really didn't want to do anything that I didn't want to do. Yeah, that's Um, good. I mean, I don't know. It would have been fine either way, I think. But like, I wanted a job as like a strategist because in school and in advertising, they're like, are you going to be a copywriter? Are you going to be a creative director? Are you going to be this? Are you going to be that? And I was like, I think I can be a strategist. Like I was insecure about being a creative director or or going after an art director role because I didn't feel like I had like the technical skills. Um, So I ended up getting a job at Gawker Media. They have like blogs and stuff like Gawker and whatever. They have a bunch of blogs as a strategist, as an associate strategist through like my network of contacts that I had made at Tumblr. Shout out Kara for hooking me up with that interview (laughs) and the job ultimately. And that's where I landed after college. But it took me six months to do that. And I did a lot of interviews in between, a lot of failed interviews in between. I was almost going to take an internship again because that's like how hard it was to get a job in New York doing the thing I wanted to do. Also, yeah, I was based in New York. Yeah, that's good, though. Um, like to me, it, it's like really, really impressive. And maybe is I don't like because I do consider like myself, uh, especially at that time when I was like graduating high school, graduating college. Well, college, I had some issues, too. But, you know, like <laughs> similar to how you sound like very ambitious and and wanting to like, you know, attack my goals. Um and living in LA, like, you know, there's probably so many opportunities, but um, things didn't necessarily go any certain way. But like you, you really like knew what you wanted. You had like um, your network and you like kept going for what you wanted. You didn't because uh, six months to me doesn't sound like that bad. So, I mean, it, I, would, I feel yeah. like a year, even a year is like. It doesn't sound that bad, but like in college, when you're graduating, everyone is like, I have accepted my (laughs) offer in three weeks. I will be working at Google as like head of Google. And you're like, what the fuck? It's been six months. Like what happened? You know, I felt like everyone was moving on and um, I think so you feel I, that pressure. I felt a lot of pressure at the time. I was like really hard on myself, but I was also very specific. Like I didn't want a job in an advertising agency because I like saw 
I had hurt friends and I was just like, that doesn't sound like something I want to put myself through. I want to work at a brand and I want to do advertising for like in-house for a brand's like marketing studio. And so I was like very narrow, which really limited my like options, but I think it worked for me somehow, but it did take longer than I wanted. And I was really, really depressed about it at the time. Like those six months, I was like miserable. And I think I had like uh, maybe $800, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I was feeling pretty low um, and really thankful once I got the job. Yeah. Well, it, it still sounds good to me. I think, do you get, you feel like you give yourself more credit looking back at your previous self or you still feel like you're kind of like a little hard on yourself about it? No, I definitely feel like I'm like, yeah, she did it. Like, you know, 2015 fab figured it out. And like, I wish I could just have been a little bit more chill about it at the time and enjoyed those six months of like Mm -hmm. freedom as opposed to like desperately wanting to be like a minion in corporate America. <laughs> like whoa, how horrible is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish I would have done art stuff. Cause I was doing actually to bring it back around. It was like drawing on the side. And because I had a like good Tumblr account, because I was obviously posting on there because I was hoping they would hire me. And I knew I had a lot of friends at Tumblr. I was always posting on my Tumblr, my artwork. And so I was like, I wish I would have done that more during those six months, but I was like in such a bad mental space of like interviewing and wanting mm-hmm. to like be a professional and use my degree that like I was just blinded and I didn't enjoy that time. And in hindsight, I'm like, you could have been having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a common experience that when you look back you're like oh I didn't have to take it maybe that seriously like things I would have been able to figure things out um but I think I was also like dealing with the pressure of graduating um from like my parents like because well my mom my mom was like fine she I don't even know my mom knew what was happening like what I was doing but my dad he also didn't know what I was doing granted I was doing whatever I wanted the entire time. (laughs) Um, But when I told my dad that I went from pre-med to marketing, he was so infuriated. He was so, quote, disappointed in me. And I was just like, the audacity, sir. Like, I'm still in college. I'm doing fine. I'm paying for it on my own. Like, just like follow along, you know, <laughs> like just stay tuned. Like, why you had to be like, be so harsh about it? Um, Because I definitely think for my dad, it was like a point of pride that I was like mm-hmm. in pre-med or whatever. And he would, one time he called me, this is like totally shading my dad right now. But one time he called me and he was like, you know what? I was just at Dillard's. Are you familiar with Dillard's? It's like Macy's. Yeah. And he's like, I was just at Dillard's and the girl behind the the perfume counter, she told me her degree was marketing. And so you're just going to be like a girl behind a perfume counter. Oh my God. I was just like, why are you calling me to tell me this? Like, we barely even talk. Why are you... (laughs) This is rude. And it was messed up because I was doing like a million internships. You know, I was like, I am like doing a million things that you don't even know about. Yeah, um, like you can't comprehend. You don't know you what you're can't. talking about. You don't even know what you're talking about. And so, but after college in those first six months when I didn't have a job, mm. that like doubt really like speaks to you, right? And mm-hmm. you're just like, maybe, maybe they were right. Maybe like this was a dumb degree to get. Um, maybe I should be in medical school right now. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, that is tough. Um, so I, I definitely can understand it like from that with that context. Yeah. Hello, I'm interrupting today's episode for a little announcement. I wanted to let you know that listeners of the podcast can get a free sticker that I designed for the show. It's totally free. All you have to do is leave a written review for the show on Apple Podcasts. And then you can screenshot your review and email it or DM it to me along with your mailing address and I will mail you the sticker. You can view the sticker on our TikTok or Instagram. I'll leave a link and instructions below in the show notes. But yeah, leave us a written review to get yourself a cute free sticker. I'm really excited. Um, I really like the sticker, so I hope you like it too. Um, yeah. All right. Now I will get back to the episode. So when you were at Gawker, that was from 2015 until 2016. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> that so was six months. <laughs> so your work experience, basically, when, what year or like around, yeah, what year did you stop working for someone else or for a company? Ooh. Only in 2019. So I worked for other companies uh, up until 2019. So I was at Gawker until 2016. Then I went to Tumblr. And then 2018 to 2019, I w- was at uh, this media company called Pop Sugar. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, that's when I decided that I was like kind of tired of New York. I had been in New York now four years. I could see myself like climbing the corporate ladder. And that was nice, right? Like that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, my dreams are coming true. But I am kind of like not feeling it anymore. Like maybe my dreams are no longer my dreams. Yeah. And um, on the side, I had still been posting my artwork like on Instagram more so than Tumblr um, because Instagram was starting to be really popular. And I started to get like commissions. Like I Mm -hmm. had uh, brands approaching me for my artwork and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I was just playing along. And then I realized like as time went on in 2019, I was like, oh, I wish I was just doing that all the time and not this. Um, And so that's when I decided to break away from like corporate America. So how long would you say, like once you had kind of like that um, seed of an idea in your mind to when you did it, was that like difficult for you to actually leave your, your job? Yeah. I mean, I had been wanting to do it, let's say since like 20 maybe mid 2017, like once I started to get commissions, I was like, man, I wish I could just do more of this. But like, you know, you're not making as much work because you're working for someone else. Yeah. But like your output is limited. And so you get less work. And it was just really hard to do both at the same time. For me, some people are able to do it. And uh, it took me probably like two years to then come to terms with it in 2019. And the only way I did it is because I applied to a illustration program in Barcelona and I had to be in Barcelona for the program. So once I applied and then I got approved, like I got, whatever, what is it called? Let in? Accepted. Accepted. Yeah. <laughs> once I got accepted, I was like, oh man, I have to do this. Like I can't live without, like I can't live with myself if I don't go. And so therefore I am quitting this and doing that. And that was the only way I could like kind of have that clean break. I obviously applied thinking that. And wishing that um, and having like the financial cushion to be able to do that because I just want to clarify like all of the money that I made from my jobs is what I live on and continue to live on. Like I don't have a magical parental source of anything. So, and that's fine. You know, some people do, some people don't. And so I had to, it took me years to save up enough to be like, wait, okay, I think I can reevaluate my goals and what I want. So then once you quit after getting accepted to that program, did you actually go to that program? Yeah, so I did. I moved with my boyfriend and my dog to Barcelona in September of 2019. Literally, like uh, I got in while I was in a meeting. I got the letter that I was accepted. I was in a meeting at my job and I was like, oh my God, my life. <laughs> like I was like, oh my God, I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> like, I literally couldn't care less. Uh-huh. I had just gotten a promotion at my job, which I felt bad Ooh. about, but obviously, like, you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what was happening. So it's not like I could have turned down the promotion. Yeah. Like I, I worked until Friday and then like that weekend, like on Sunday, I like moved and wow. <laughs> that was like really weird to like mentally do. Um, and I was there up until February, 2020 when the pandemic hit, then like classes shut down and I moved back oh. and now we're here. <laughs> so if like, you know, 2020 didn't go the way that it had went, you would have been there for how much longer? I would have been there until at least May. Uh-huh. But yeah, I actually talked about this on another podcast. I fell into a housing scam in Barcelona, which is like super common, especially for foreigners, but also like, I don't want to blame myself and sound stupid. Like I want you guys to know, like I'm a smart person but the housing market over there is insane. It's unlike anything ever. You have to have like uh, Spanish income to even get considered. And obviously all my income is like US income. And so I fell into a housing scam, which is super common. That's actually one of the reasons we came back to the US in February. It just so happened. We came back February 29th. 
and the pad- pandemic started March 1st. Yeah. Say. So it was like, and my school shut down March 1st. So I was supposed to be the only like student going remote. Like they were going to make an exception for me because of my housing situation. And then coincidentally, everyone went remote. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So very it strange. It kind of worked out in a yeah. weird way. <laughs> <laughs> very strange way, but it like worked out. Interesting. Yeah. So once I got back, like I just was on my grind. I was finishing, I was finishing illustration school. I was like completing whatever little projects they had. And so from there, I finished school online and then I was just like trying to get jobs. So like putting work out and just like having things come to me. And I actually worked as a designer for this company called Later Media. They are like a scheduling tool for Instagram and social media. Yeah. And I worked as a designer, as a freelance designer for them for like a year and a half up until last October. I worked for them like three days a week, just freelance. But um, it was really helpful for me to learn so much about design because I kind of have always been doing it kind of on the side. But to work with like a team and like an art director who's like, this works, that doesn't fix this, make that um, and like do it every day, like for eight hours straight, a lot. (laughs) Um, It really like sharpened my skills and made me trust myself more because like what I knew I did actually know despite not going to like uh, art school for graphic design. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. So I know that you said um, before you even quit your corporate job that you had at that point before you started already getting commissions and stuff. What were those first commissions? Like, who were they from and what what were they yeah. like? Yeah. So I was sharing like these little portraits I was making of like celebrities and I was just using like my iPad and Procreate and like tracing celebrity pictures because I was practicing everything. Mm -hmm. And I started sharing them on Instagram, on Tumblr. And I was sharing like sometimes I would animate them. I was doing like celebrity birthdays a lot because it gave me like a reason to share it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a couple of those. And then... (laughs) Like someone at Teen Vogue reached out to me to do an illustration. So I did that illustration for them. Actually, yeah, yeah, because I I was working with this woman at Tumblr and she made her own blog called Femsplain. She was commissioning me to do illustrations for her blog. And so then someone at Teen Vogue eventually hired me from that. So that was like my first, I would say, experience. But that year, like from doing the celebrity portraits, I was... Snapchat was like new on the scene and I was doing like Snapchat wallpapers of celebrities for like I would post them, but then Cosmo would like reshare them and like mention me and stuff. So I was getting like some traction from that's those celebrity cool. portraits. Yeah, that's yeah, really it was cool. it was lucky, definitely like just like uh pure. It was pure. I was just like making them and they were like being well received. <laughs> yeah. So then once you quit, because when you quit, you would say you had like two years of having had your side um, yeah. freelance jobs when you quit, when you went to school, maybe even more so like after the pandemic happened from that time when you first started, how do you, how would you, if at all, say that your work changed in terms of the kind of jobs you were doing? Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel like in the beginning, I was doing more design work because it's kind of easier to come by design work. Like someone needs someone to like execute their vision. It's a lot easier to kind of get those jobs. Like Mm -hmm. they just, they're like, we know exactly what we need. Here's like our branding. Here's this. Cause I was doing a lot of like social media design um, and now just like, well, you know, execute it for us. That's more so the jobs I was doing. Sometimes I would do illustration work under that. Right. So like if I was doing something for later and, I wanted to illustrate it like they would let me. But for the most part, I was getting more like design heavy jobs. Um, I have always been doing like Instagram stickers, like since the beginning of Instagram stickers, I've been making them. And so I oftentimes would get brands being like, hey, we want stickers about, I don't know, Latinx Heritage Month. And so I would make them. And that felt more like my own work as opposed to like designer work, but Mm -hmm. it still has like a touch of design. Um, based on what the brand wants because they would want me to just do it for them. Do you get what I mean? It wasn't so much like a collaboration as Mm -hmm. like a a proper commission. So I wanted to ask about your style and if you felt like your work has influenced your style or your style kind of dictates 
or has dictated the work you get. And I know you said that the job started coming to you in the beginning. So how do you feel about your relationship between like maybe work you do for yourself versus work you do for clients? Yeah, yeah, I feel like over time it's getting closer and closer. Like to be honest, the kind of work that I like to do constantly shifts. Mm-hmm. So like what I like right now, I'll start making it and then brands will hire me for it. And then like by the time they see it and hire me for it, I already hate that work <laughs> because like I am still evolving a lot and like my taste is my taste and my skill are still like that gap is like closing in on itself. And so what would happen is I would make something I'm like this I like this enough. Like I'll share it. And then six months later, the brand reaches out and they want something similar. I'm happy to do it because obviously like I want to be a working illustrator, but also I already don't identify with that style anymore, but like, you're not going to say no. So you just do it. And then, so now I'm constantly trying to like, make sure that the work I make for clients is work I actually like right now. And that's really hard because the client like if you're a new illustrator like I how I feel I am even though I've been working a long time I still feel like my illustration style is relatively new to me I have to like advocate for it and be like Mm -hmm. like yes I will make that thing for you it's gonna look like this and they'll usually be like all right um because they have seen my Instagram and it's like not that far off um but if I'm just like okay now I'm going to do something like totally in illustrator, totally sleek mm. or like 3d. They would probably be like, I don't know. We don't know what that's going to look like from you. Yeah. So I feel like I constantly have to advocate for myself. And I think in the beginning that feels like a really big problem, but I think you just have to make a lot of work and eventually it all starts to like find a place in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. When you first, well, what is like the evolution of your style? been in terms of like materials uh, Mm. mediums have have you always like worked in the materials and mediums that you currently do no I feel like in the beginning I was way more into like procreate and like digital artwork um Mm -hmm. and because like once I found it I was like oh my god I can do so much with it because I was really into like animation and I still really like animation but at the time it felt like gifts were like mind-blowing to me um and so in that case you work digitally because that's going to make the most sense so i was working more with with like digital tools and and like after effects and stuff like that and then now i feel like i'm going back to traditional because procreate and all the apps give you so many options that it can be really hard to figure out your style when you are seeing so much Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, that person used that brush. I'm gonna try that brush. And now everything yeah. looks different. And now you're confused and you're like, who am I as an artist? And so by going back to traditional materials and trusting like my hand again and how I do things naturally, I can like see my style way more definitively than I can working first digitally. So now I tend to make things traditionally, maybe like perfect it digitally or sketch digitally and then make it traditionally just to like speed up the workflow. But yeah, I feel like now I work with watercolor inks lately. Um, always my my uh, pastel pencils are like my favorite. Whenever I draw anything with them, I'm happy. Like I like how it turns out. And when I draw with other things, I don't like it. So, you know, you have to like go with what you like and that's going to be your style, like your true style and not just like the style that you're putting on. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is probably going to be like the last main question um, I wanted to ask you about. Because I mean, like this whole conversation is about your like career as an illustrator, as an artist. Um, and I feel like for a lot of like creatives and artists who like that is their work, their relationship with it is a lot different than say like you know other kind of jobs and not to say that this isn't the case for other jobs but the fact that um your identity can be really wrapped up in your work so I wanted to ask you what you feel like your relationship with your work is um yeah yeah Yeah, that's really tricky I think that's so true like as an artist you feel really, really caught up in your identity as the artist as the worker like as the employee as the like profession of artists you're like this is me um and that's really tricky i mean since i've been since october of 
2021, I've been like focusing only on taking on illustration work. No, like, or only people who want my work, Mm -hmm. not just people who want someone to just do something for them. Um, because that's what fulfills me the most when I create my work. And, uh, it's been really tough because sometimes you have so much to do. Like, you know, I have the podcast, I have YouTube, I have, um, which is slacking. Um, and I have, um, I do like Adobe hosting. I have my Instagram account and then I have my artwork and my clients. And it's just like so many things. Sometimes I don't get to draw. And then I just feel like, am I an artist? Like I haven't drawn in like two weeks. Like, I don't know how I would draw X. Like there's always something that I'm like, oh, I don't know how to draw that. Like maybe it's over for me. Like maybe maybe because I can't draw like a bicycle from my mind, I am not an artist. Maybe because I can't draw a portrait exactly how I don't even know how I want it, but because I can't do it to my liking, maybe I'm not an artist. And then you like doubt every part of your life because you're like, I'm not an artist. I'm not anything. Right. Mm. And I really struggle with that because I still feel it all the time. If I'm not creating at the level, at the standard that I set for myself, it's really hard for me. But I don't I don't know if there's a solution to that. I feel like you always want to better your work. And so if you don't kind of feel that sometimes, you know, like if every day you were like, masterpiece 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 like, <laughs> something's wrong an artist because like you're never gonna better it you know yeah. like i think there's always like some amount of self-doubt that comes into play when you're an artist um it just sucks because it's also like you personally as like a person not just yeah. as like an as a profession yeah so do you feel like do you have any practices that you do to kind of help you with that boundary you know, to be really honest with you, I feel like not really. Like I tell myself that I do. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I like, I'm going to journal. But like, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I refuse. You, you journal about like work and. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, but it's like, it's like, I am the worst artist. I don't know. You know, it's like, it's not positive. Like I feel like yeah. people journal. I don't know. I mean, journaling works for a lot of things. I like journaling, but when I'm in that place, I don't feel like I want to journal. I'm in such a mm-hmm. negative place. I don't think I have like a healthy coping mechanism. I think I either force myself to make work until I hit like one gem and I'm like uh, revitalized or something, or mm-hmm. I just like mope around until I'm like bored. And then I'm like, mm. all right, screw it. Like, let's make something, you know? Yeah. But I don't think I have a positive coping mechanism. I mean, I feel like I should share something with people, but I just want to be honest with people that I think it's just hard. And I just like wait it out or force myself. Um, but I don't have like a super positive coping mechanism. Sometimes I look at my old work, like the one that I, the ones that I like, and I'm like, I can make that again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know I can, you know, it's just like having new good ideas and executing them perfectly. Like that's a lot of, a lot of work to do that. And to like yeah. put that pressure on yourself is the reality. I think of it. I appreciate your honesty in that answer. Um, Cause it's like weird. I feel like, especially right now in like this time, there's a shift from like, kind of like hustle culture where it's like, Oh, but then it becomes like a new thing to feel bad about where it's like. You, you feel know, guilty are, that yeah, you're like people, in hustle culture. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like feeling like how you were saying, like that you're being hard on yourself yet. There's all of this like stuff out there in the world about trying to teach people to like, you know, practice self-care and self-love. And then you're like, damn it. Like I didn't practice. Uh, I didn't self-care practice self-love. Today. Like I didn't. Yeah. So yeah. It's no, like a weird for me it's really for me it's really hard like i i really feel like most of the time i just like waited out like wait to be out of this funk or sometime and until i hit the point where i'm like okay let me try again you know Mm -hmm. or i see like a cool picture that makes me want to draw and i'm like let me try again um but it's not like i have like a methodical way of getting out of it i'm just kind of like i hope this feeling goes away (laughs) um and it usually does um i also feel like when you have a client then I, I don't even feel that way. It's more so with my personal work. When it's a mm. client, I'm just like, you want that? You want it to look like this? Boom, here you go. I'm just going to keep like my emotional feelings out of it um, because I need to meet the deadlines. I need to do the work. Mm-hmm. But when it's personal stuff and I have like a bad time with it, that's when it feels really like tragic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just wait it out. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so then my last question for you is kind of like not really related to art. I mean, it could be depending on your answer, but um, what do you like to do unrelated to work that is fun for you? Wow, such a hard question here because I feel I'm in Philly. I don't have very many friends here because I moved during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so my network is tiny. So I feel like what I do for fun, honest, I know this is like lame, but like I watch a lot of TV and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like those are my friends. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, my favorite thing to do, I would say like, is to just, I know this is like so corny of me, but I like to like, I have like one blanket that I really like. And I like to light a candle blanket and then like whatever new true crime TV show is on. <laughs> I just put, and I feel like I have permission to like not do anything when I'm in that zone. I'm like free of guilt, free of tasks, free of creativity. Like I can just not think. And I also watch for fun, a lot of TikTok. It is an addiction, but it's also like my social time. Yeah, because I don't have that many friends. I'm like, oh, I'm hanging out with like whatever trend is happening. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I feel that same way too. So there's no, and I think a lot of people do too, where it's like, I mean, there's always been like, I feel like this kind of com- campaign against like TV and social media and all that. And just is, I'm sure it's, we know like there are reasons that it's justified, but you know, there's a, a reason balance. it's so popular. Like, like it's a definitely a balance. I yeah. wish I watched less TV. I wish I was on TikTok less for sure. I mean, now here there's in LA, there's not winter here. There's winter. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not going to do anything like winter plus COVID plus nobody wants to hang out with like brand new people they don't know. So it's been hard to like do things detached from like consuming content essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh I want to decrease the amount of TV I consume. I want to decrease the amount of TikTok and do like things in real life. It's just been hard during this like season of the world, I feel like. And I uh, I feel like I would listen to a lot of podcasts and then do like little things around my house. And that always feels like, like I'm living in real life, but like You're doing something getting, else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do that. Getting, too. getting a drip of information that keeps my mind like numb, <laughs> I guess, but it feels good. No, that's um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, indulging in TV and all that. So, I mean, I, I do it. A lot of people do it. So that's my reality. I feel like everyone wants to be like, I read books. I'm like, I'm not reading books. <laughs> I'm listening to books. I'm watching TV. That's my my truth. <laughs> yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing. Um Yes. So that is going to be all of my questions for you today. Thank you again so much for taking your time to talk to me, answer my questions. And yes, of course. I'm so happy we got to do this. Thank you so much for having me, for taking the time to prepare questions and, and just, you know, inquire about my life. Be curious. So thank you. I appreciate it. So that was today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It's always really interesting to me to learn how artists and people in a creative role got to the point that they're currently at and what they did before. So I love learning about Fabiola's journey. She's got a really tenacious spirit, which I admire and I definitely feel inspired by. I will leave her social links and all that stuff in the show notes so you can go follow her and definitely subscribe to her podcast, Draws in Spanish, as well as her YouTube channel, Fabiolita Draws. And again, all those links will be in the show notes. And reminder to leave a written review to get a free sticker. I'll put that info in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and I hope that you have a beautiful week.